of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're getting an introduction to legal research and citations from one of our librarians, Tom Hemstock, who works with the online graduate programs, but with any of the students here at Albany Law School. And I'm going to hand it over to Tom here in just a second to get into his presentation. Before we do, though, announcements at the top of the show, albanylaw.edu slash COVID-19. Make sure you're up to date on all of our COVID-19 policies here at the law school. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram is where you can find the day-to-day news about the law school. And if you like this episode of the podcast, you want to hear more, subscribe. Any of the major podcast services where you can check out our SoundCloud account. All right, hand it over to Tom. So good evening. Uh, My name is Tom Hemstock. Uh, I wear a number of different hats in the online graduate programs, uh, but tonight I am uh, wearing the hat of librarian. Uh, And this is going to be a basic introduction uh, to legal research. Legal research easily could be an entire two-credit course, but this is just kind of get everyone used to some of the, the extreme basics here. So that's that's gonna be the theme here. Some of you may have uh, a fair amount of legal research experience. For others of you, this may be the first time that you're doing legal research. So I'm, I'm aware that they're all different skill levels. Uh, and I'm also aware that others are probably gonna watch this recording. So the first thing that I'm gonna say is ask questions. So my email address is thems at albanylaw.edu. Uh, For JD students, I have an open door policy, so students can just kind of stop into my office whenever. Uh, For online graduate students, I have the exact same policy. Uh, You probably don't want to drive uh, across the country to see me, although I'd be flattered if you did, Uh, but it's a virtual open door policy. So we can set up a one-on-one Zoom meeting. If something just doesn't make any sense here, let me know. Or if you just want a refined question, that's fine as well. Uh, I'm trying to to talk a little slower. I have a habit of going quick and I have a habit of jumping screens quickly. Uh, So feel free to interrupt or feel free to ask a follow-up question. Um, Before we begin, are there any general questions? Okay, let me share my screen. So you should be seeing uh, the library's homepage. I'll provide the link here. Um, But the short answer is this is available at albanylaw.edu, and there's a link to library. If you Google Albany Law School Library, you will get to this page. uh, I just hit something. Sorry about that. Um, This is a great uh, starting point for much of your legal research. Uh, as you can definitely see here, we've, we've pulled out the ebook links there. Uh, we pulled out electronic resources and our guides here. And we even went further and put the databases here for you to easily access them. Uh, and, but I first gonna start out with, I think an, an underused library resource. Uh, so this uh, Google style search box here, this is our library's catalog. And I know when people hear library catalog, um, you, you either think card catalog or you really don't think much about it at all. Maybe it's like um, something from Antiques Roadshow where they have the, the old uh, library catalog. However, this is useful to you as remote students because we can just search 
electronic material. And because, you know, yeah, I care where the book is, but I also don't care where the book is, right? If it's on Westlaw, great. If it's on Lexus, great. If it's on EBSCO, great. I don't really care which platform it is. So I want to search across everything. And how I can do that is via this advanced search link there. Uh, I don't have an exact number of ebooks that we have available. It's easily in the thousands, um, somewhere around 10,000 across all the platforms. Uh, I'm also rapidly adding them. I think just this week I added, I want to say at least uh, three or four. And sometimes it may come at 50 or 100 all in one go. So I could just start searching here, but that's going to be frustrating, right? If I find a book and it's on the shelf here uh, and you're a thousand miles away, not so helpful. If it's really something you absolutely need, and you're like, this is the perfect book, shoot me an email and I'll see if we can order the ebook version of it. And if it's not available there, we can see, well, can we interlibrary loan it and get it sent to you? That's a possibility as well. Um, but the easiest way is if we go into format type here and we do limit it to electronic resources, and then we can put in our keywords. So do health law. These are just Google style keywords. There's advanced cataloging. We're not gonna worry about that. We're just gonna see what's out here. And we can see sure enough, click here to access. We have a link. This one happens to be on EBSCO. What else have we got there? We've got some on Bloomberg law, which is BNA, other things. These are all sort of things. Maybe I don't even know that these exist. There's another BNA one. Government documents are available here. So let's try the first one. Okay, good. I'm glad this popped up. So I am not uh, in my office. I'm not at the library behind me. I am at home right now. Uh, this is our proxy server link. And your username is the first part of your email address. The single biggest mistake that that everyone, faculty and staff as well, make are they'll they really just want to put their whole email address. You just put the beginning and then your password is the same password that you use for your email. This is also why it's helpful to go to the links um, from the library's website. If I just kind of start trying to Google stuff, it'll have no idea who I am and that you have access to it. Uh, that'll work on campus when it knows my IP range, but if off campus, it often doesn't know who I am. So here we go. This is a horn book. Uh, a horn book is one of those early 20th century, late 19th century terms. Essentially what it means is it's kind of like a, it's a study guide, a sophisticated study guide. Um, but this one happens to be on health law. And I will not bore everyone with details of this. But there we go. So here's our table of contents. Let's try to jump in. And there we go. So now I have the full text here, uh, just kind of like I'm reading it in print. If I want, there is a method to check this out to me electronically, and I'll show that in a little bit. But if I just want to browse my way through here, uh oh, I see my screen. Oh, there we go. It's struggling. This maybe because it's a 500 page book or so. But there we go. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about secondary sources, but this is essentially what it is. You have a giant library available uh, to you. 
Any comments or questions so far on library's webpage or uh, the catalog? Okay, so far so good. Um, no one has to ask questions. And if, again, if you think of one afterwards, just shoot me an email. I'm gonna back out of there. And I, you know, we could easily spend, okay, we got 176 results there. You can see how this would work. Is health law great keywords? No, health law is not a great keyword. Whoops. Uh, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to bet that everyone or almost everyone here has used Amazon. Uh, if you can use Amazon.com, you will be a great catalog searcher. These things facets on the side, and it's how I can narrow it down. Uh, I can by publication date, editions, all sorts of things, uh, which is helpful, right? If I know, boy, there's some giant uh, healthcare law that happened at a certain time, uh, I don't know, 2013 or 14, the Affordable Care Act. Maybe I don't care what happened before that. I just want to limit it afterwards. There we go. This is a way uh, I can narrow that down. Next up, and I'll provide the link to it because I'm doing that annoying jumping thing again. Uh, there is a specific guide to library resources for online graduate programs. Essentially, and there I am again, talking about ebook access, how to check it out. So I mentioned that there's a process. It's a little complicated, but I did a walkthrough uh, and it just seems to work out smoother with that. Um, your links to Westlaw, Lexis and Bloomberg. And like that says, you should have access to that. Uh, and if you don't have access to that, you know, shoot me an email. Uh, it's not a complicated process at all. And I kind of provide some other links to helpful interlibrary loan that I was talking about there. We're gonna go very briefly into citation tonight. Uh, citation is another topic that could last uh, an entire semester, but there's a specific guide that I created on Blue Book resources. Again, this is highlights. This is the basics of it. I put some tabs there, tips and tricks, et cetera. We'll also do some tips and tricks uh, tonight on it, but just want to give some sort of uh, reference here. And oh, yeah, like little things like finding symbols, uh, that section symbol drives people crazy and that's, that's how you go about doing it. Okay, next up link for our main page is databases. Uh, you're probably hearing a lot about Westlaw and Lexis so far and how super amazing each one is, and they are amazing. And if you're on campus here, they'd be coming with donuts and prizes and Lexis still has points uh, and all these wonderful things. And easy, very, very easy to think, wow, Lexis and Westlaw are great and that's all I need to care about. And as you can tell from this incredibly leading introduction, I don't believe that it's all you need to care about. There are many other databases available to you. Uh, I'm not going to go through each and every one here. A JSTOR you may be familiar with from undergrad. Uh, so if we're doing connections between health law or more, more technical or privacy things, uh, economics, all sorts of cool stuff there that we can cross-reference. I am going to choose to highlight something called Hein Online. Before I went to law school, I had never, ever heard of of Hein Online. I mean, if you think Westlaw is obscure, uh, I think this is much more obscure. Why I'm going to highlight it is, well, a couple reasons. One, just the sheer amount of stuff here. 
So it's not just one database. There are many, many different databases here. So I think no matter which specialty you're in, in online graduate programs, there are connections here. Uh, and Hein Online special, specializes in historical material. Uh, and there are ebooks, and there's current material here as well. And there are lots of stuff to play around with. But if I am tracing down a statute from 1825, it's pretty good chance I can find it here. I never want to guarantee it. Um, I'm looking for an English report from like the 14th century reprint. It's here. Uh, there's all sorts of neat stuff here. But in addition to that, uh, Hide Online, they are great with reproducing material in the original PDF. Uh, so maybe I've got, I've got a citation to a law review article. I, I, yeah, I could probably pull it up on Westlaw or Lexis. Well, if it's too old, I may not be able to, um, but it's not always the best way to go about reading it. So I'll use that as an example. And I'm just gonna browse here. There's also a search there. I can go to advanced search uh, and narrow it. Same thing with West and Lexus when we get to that, a little foreshadowing, I guess. I don't always wanna use this search box here because I will get way, way too many results. So let's see if we, let's use Albany Law Review as an example. There we go. So in brief, this is a scholarly publication. Uh, practitioners, attorneys, and professors, as well as students are publishing in this. Uh, the material that is published is rigorously checked. Uh, every time there is a footnote, a, a student editor from the Albany Law Review has tracked down that original source to make sure the footnote says uh, what it claims to say. We're gonna go back farther here just to try to prove a point. So let's say I have my citation from 1951. Okay, what is what we got here? Whoops, I clicked on the author's name, I'm sorry. So there we go, PDF icon. This is as if I am reading this on the shelf. Uh, it's the exact same as it looks downstairs in storage in the library. This is much easier reading than it is on Westlaw or Lexis, might not be available there as well. So just wanted to briefly showcase one of the many databases uh, beyond Westlaw or Lexis. Any comments, questions so far? Okay. Let me move on. Okay, so I guess I'll, I'll just start out on, on Lexis here. So you may hear different things. You may hear Lexis Nexus, Lexis for Law Schools, Lexis Plus, Lexis Advance. Uh, they're all essentially referring to the same thing. I'm just going to call it Lexis for shorthand. Uh, it is a special product for law schools. So you may have had something uh, in undergrad or in previous graduate work. Uh, Lexis Nexus for Law Schools is pretty darn extensive. Um, they're subsidizing the cost of this as well. Uh, if we were a law firm, this would probably cost millions of dollars, uh, but they want everyone to love Lexis uh, before they get into working and managing and et cetera in law firms. So if you haven't already done so, I really uh, register for Lexis. I recommend doing that as soon as possible. And again, if, you, if you've lost it or you never got an email, uh, shoot me one and I'll definitely get you a registration password. Once you have it, you'll be prompted 
to create a user ID and a password. You don't have to use your Albany Law School email address uh, as your ID. I just think it's easy to do so. And again, I, I hate to be a broken record, but I could probably spend at least until midnight of next week talking about LexisNexis. So we're really just gonna be hitting the highlights. First thing, I see a very Google-like appearance here. Uh, there are millions and millions of documents on Lexis, and that is not an exaggeration. Uh, if anything, if someone told me there's 10 million, I would not be uh, surprised in the least. So we need a way to kind of manage and wrangle all this information. Uh, if I just start tossing in keywords to get material, um, I'll definitely get results. You will very rare day that you get zero results on LexisNexis because you're searching across so much. Um, but the downside to that is, uh, I don't want to go through 8,432 items. What if my what if the case I want is on page 32 and I'm never going to make it there? Uh, so a couple ways I can narrow it down. One, if I know my citation, I can put it in here. So if I know what I'm looking for, I'm looking for Marbury versus Madison. There we go. That's the case. I can click into that and I will pull up the document. It's trying to help me. Also, if I knew the citation, which now I do from that, five US, <laughs> I just forgot it. Well, I can put in anything. There we go. That's the page number. I can go that way. What's neat about this, this is one of the few times where it's not going to require blue booking. 137, sorry. Oh, are they going to be picky? <sighs> They're going to be picky. No, sometimes it can be picky. It's inexact. But if we have the more citations we have, easier we can get to it. If for some reason it's going to be picky about the citation, we can do the name. If it's going to be picky about the name. We'll do that. We'll click into the document. And let's see, is Lexis going to disappoint? No, it's not. I can already see it coming up in the URL. There we go. There is a early constitutional law case. Getting into this material, again, it could be an giant lesson. I don't want to go into it, but here's the text at the beginning of this document. West or Lexis, they're trying to give me all of this helpful information, right? If I take Marbury versus Madison and I Google that, I am, I would bet money that someone has the exact text of this posted somewhere because it's 200 years old, it's public domain, and it's a big case. Uh, someone out there definitely has it with all sorts of ads surrounding it and everything. Uh, that's not a problem getting this. Uh, I could probably find it at many free sites, but West and Lexus both know that I can do that. They want me to keep subscribing to their products. So they're gonna give me this overview, these little points of law at the beginning. And I'm, I'm gonna keep scrolling because I wanna see the judge's name and then his or her name will be the start of the opinion. We'll get into what all these mean. And if, if you're very curious, shoot me an email and we'll go into a lot of detail. But for our cases, yeah, this is a landmark one. Um, many people have provided info.
And if I have to scroll too much, where you, you might just have to trust me on this one. We're going to use the material available here, opinion there. There's the, the justice, the opinion of the court. Uh, in modern case law, it'll, it'll tell you the justice's name right at the beginning here. But opinion, this is what I care about. This is what the court has actually written. All the other material below, uh, above this is useful, um, but it's written by Lexis. It's written by court reporters. Um, if this was on West, it'd be written, written by West editors. This is the actual text of the case here. Again, we could go much more into that. So that's one way I could get into material on Lexis, um, but probably not the most common way, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of cheating. Oh, you want Marbury versus Madison? Well, okay, great. You already, we're already halfway there because we know what it's called. What I recommend for wrangling my way through this is how they're dividing it up. Now, this is dividing up the material by practice area. I could also divide it up by state or federal. So I don't want to start teaching civil procedure, but if there are jurisdiction, jurisdictional issues, that's a great way. Maybe I say, okay, I know this is a federal issue. I want to see, you know, has the Supreme Court ruled on this issue? Well, we can find out. We can go right into the Supreme Court, just search there. Might want to, depending on what circuit I'm in, might want to go to those court of appeals. I might just want to search all federal cases. Maybe there's a federal trial court that's addressed it. Uh, or I might say, well, wait a second. I know it's not a federal issue here. We want to look for a state one. We could do it that way, do it by state jurisdiction. Uh, for this example, we're going to do it by practice area. So I did healthcare on Tuesday. Let's see what we could do for something different here. Um, let's I'm gonna do computer and internet law. I'm trying to match this up with the, the graduate specialties here. And when I'm doing research in it, um, Probably my best tip is to start out in secondary sources. So secondary sources, essentially it's about the law. It's not the law itself. Any, anything written about the law is a secondary source, uh, which may seem counterintuitive to some of you, right? Uh, this is legal database. I want those cases and statutes and regulations. I don't, you know, why do I want to hear what someone else has to say about them? Well, three big reasons why you would care. One, explanation. Uh, I may be in a completely new area of the law. I'm kind of lost and I'd love for someone to explain it to me. I don't want to have to brief 20 cases and figure out the rule. I just want someone to tell me what's going on. That will be much, much quicker for me to understand this. Uh, we don't want to make this some intellectual exercise. I just want to know what the law is. Um, so that's a big plus right there. The other thing is these secondary sources are going to be packed full of footnotes. Um, I'll comb through those footnotes and get me to the primary material uh, pretty quickly. Final reason is uh, these secondary sources could have persuasive value. Well, maybe it's a new area of the law where cryptocurrency, NFTs, uh, you name it, and the regulations just aren't where I think they could be. Uh, the court hasn't ruled on something yet. Well, we're going to say this secondary source says we, could, we should go about it this way. So this is what we have for computer and internet law. We're gonna see everything here, all guide, treatises, guides, jurisprudence, et cetera. 
There's also separate ones for journals and law reviews. And right now it's like, okay, I'm looking at a page of hyperlinks. This is not exciting. Um, hard to tell what this is, but trust me, some of these are bookshelves and bookshelves worth of material. Uh, I think I'm probably easily looking at tens of thousands of pages of material here. Um, uh, let's see what we got. I'm somewhat choosing these at random. So if anyone sees anything that you want me to, to do, please do so. Okay, so now we are in a specific book, Data Privacy Protection and Security Law. I don't know what this is, and Lexis guesses that many people might not. So if I click on that little I, it will tell me, okay, we're through December, 2021. It'll give me a little more info. Okay, at least we know it's up to date. Uh, and on Tuesday's session, I got a question of, well, how up to date <clears throat> should something be? Um, yeah, I mean, I could find a treatise from 50 years ago and it's still helpful. The electronic ones that I'm finding on Lexis and Westlaw, et cetera, they are automatically updated. So this isn't just published and then forgotten about. Uh, so when it was updated in December of 2021, it's not that someone went and added a chapter on the back end. No, they went through uh, the cases and whatever and added new cases into it, added new statutes into it, et cetera. So that's how it's kept up to date. Oh, and there's even a little what's new there. So if we really want to find what's changed, we can go that way. Here again, we have a couple options. One, we can start searching just in this database now. That's helpful. We can also search just in this table of contents. Lexis doesn't usually do indexes, so we indices, so we don't have any there. Or I could browse. Maybe I am new to data privacy. I'm a little unsure what it is. I want to try to figure out what it looks like from flying 30,000 feet over it. Um, so identity theft, well, what exactly? I think I know what identity theft is, but it's getting a whole chapter in this book. So there's probably stuff I'm not thinking about. What is identity theft? There we go. Okay, theft of a business's identity. That, I didn't think so. Impersonating others, oh, that makes sense. But accepting the idea. So there's all these different little nuances and variances that, very tricky to, to guess otherwise. So we're going to try to see theft of a, a business identity, which is not common when I think of identity theft. Okay, well, New York has expanded it. That's helpful to know. So now it's doing exactly what I said it's doing. It's giving me an explanation of what's going on here, and it's citing me to material in, oops, in the footnotes below here. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm getting all sorts of helpful material here. This is a general source. Remember, we didn't narrow it down by jurisdiction. So I have to be very careful here. I see some Arizona statutes. They were talking about New York earlier. So I will have California, et cetera. We have a uh, District of Merit trial court case there. So I will have to look through some of this material, but well, there we go. Now, I may not have an opinion on what I should do with this, excuse me, but there's definitely some commentary. Excuse me again. Okay, so Lexis, a uh, couple more tips and tricks here. Lexis knows that when I jump into a section here, it is not like flipping through the pages of a book. 
there is a way I can flip from section to section, but it is clumsy. Use resource, right? I could go to next section. It's going to take forever for me to go through that. But there's a little table of contents here, so I can see the surrounding ones, view the full table of contents, just like I was at that starting point. So even if I dive in here with keywords, then I can kind of modify. Ooh, oops, I was I was close, but not quite there. And we just back up a step that way. So, so let's say I found something, and this is this is absolutely perfect. I want to cite this in a discussion post. I want to cite this in a paper. I I don't know. I want to use this for my thesis topic. Well, what we can do is we highlight it and we do copy quick and. And there we go. So it's copied and pasted the material in here. Um, it says Blue Book Citation, and it is <clears throat> probably 95 to 100% correct when it does Blue Book Citation. I never want to say anything is 100% all the time. But what's cool about it is, one, at the very least, it's keeping track of what I'm searching, right? So now I've or, uh, copying what I've found. It's a lot less likely <clears throat> that I'm going to accidentally misinterpret this and think, oh, this was these were my own words. And no, they're not my own words. This is coming from this, uh, <coughs> excuse me again, uh, coming from this volume here. So this is a great way, one, so I can keep track of, of what's original thought, what's not. I don't get myself into trouble that way. Two, it's also going to have all the pieces that I need for that Blue Book citation. And three, there's a link right back into it. So I'm like, oh, whoops, I forgot something. Well, I can just click back that in there and find it. Couple other neat things that I can do. Um, one, maybe I found this at three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, I finally found it. And I promptly go to sleep. And wait, where was I? And as you can guess, this is not an easy URL to just keep banging on the back button, especially if, when it logs me out for inactivity. Um, but I can click on history here and it will show me all of my recent uh, searches and all the documents that I've pulled up there. So that can be helpful. Just kind of see the path that I've gone to. I'm like, okay, how did I, how the heck did I get to this document? Well, that's how. The last little tip and trick here on Lexis that I'm gonna show, there are many more is the foldering system. So, whoops, get this out of the way. So I can save this to a document, I could create a document. So maybe I might wanna create a folder for, let's see, can I play around here? Yeah, I can create new folders and all the rest here. I will not bore, bore you with how it works, it's pretty intuitive. I might wanna create a folder for every class that I'm currently taking and just kind of toss material in there. Maybe I'll create a, a folder saying possible thesis ideas. And just as I'm doing other research, I toss it in there. Uh, maybe I want a folder for each module. It's all kind of how organized you are. Um, for my own research, I can be very disorganized. So I've found this helpful uh, over the years. I have many more folders on West than I do here, but that's just personal preference. So I think that's great. There's ways you can share folders uh, with others if you're working in a group. It's just, I think it's a very easy way uh, to keep track of material.
yeah, I can highlight, I can put notes on the document as well. And then when I pull it up again, my notes will pop up so I could write, uh, let me. Oh, there we go, annotate. And highlight it in a certain color. There we go. And now when I pull it up again, I'll see that. Uh, so little things like that, not anything uh, groundbreaking. Uh, if you're if you're used to eBooks, these things are kind of second nature, but they do kind of hide in plain sight on Lexis. So that is Lexis in you know 25 to 30 minutes. Again, a broken record. We could spend the next 12 hours on it and not catch everything. But any comments or questions on Lexis? Um, Professor, why would you use Lexis versus Westlaw versus Bloomberg? Like when you're starting your, your research, like where, where do you go first? What is yeah, your I'm glad you asked. That was going to be my next question myself. So I'm glad you asked it because uh, that is the biggest one. Because, uh, right, I've just spent a half hour telling everyone how amazing Lexis is and why you should use it. And now we're jumping to Westlaw. Um, so I think the reason why you would use both or use one over the other is they each have their own specialties. So some of these secondary sources, the eBooks, um, they're gonna be licensed to one and not the other. So as I start doing research in a particular area, I might say, wow, that data privacy one on Lexis, that was great, that was invaluable, it always seems to work out for me. But then I go to West and it, it just doesn't seem the same. There's, not, there's an equivalent, uh, West and Lexis are at each other's throats, but just not as good. Or I might say the exact opposite, or I might say, oh, well, they both got some pretty good resources, um, but it'll depend on a lot of things, the jurisdiction that I'm in. So some states will have a legal encyclopedia just on that jurisdiction. On Tuesdays, we found out that there's one, a legal encyclopedia just on Florida, and it is on West and not on Lexis. So if I were practicing in Florida, well, that'd be a pretty big plus for me to look at there. So that's the short answer. Uh, longer. Sometimes it just seems to, to work better. Maybe how they've divided it up might make more sense on Westlaw or Lexis or Bloomberg. Did that answer your question? Okay. It did, it did. Um, where do you normally start out though? Is it just a personal preference then? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I have a habit of starting on West, uh, but that's not a, a great grounded in reality habit. That's just maybe 60, 40, I'm in West. Um, but very quickly, if I'm realizing what I want isn't there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try both. And even for primary material, the cases, the statutes, the regulations are in both, um, but they both do, they have different annotations in them. Uh, so like when we're scrolling through Marbury versus Madison on Lexus, that was all, uh, most of that was Lexus material. If I pull up the same case on West, West will have West material. Maybe one will make more sense. So generally, I try to do uh, both. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I am at uh, lawschool.tr or thompsonreuters.com. Westlaw is now owned by Thomson Reuters. Uh, my screen may look slightly different uh, to yours. Same thing, register law school key. Uh, if you need a law school key, let me know. Uh, just like Lexis, Westlaw has been called many things. Westlaw uh, Next, Westlaw Edge, Westlaw Classic, Westlaw, I'm just going to call it uh, Westlaw right now.
And again, I think my screen looks a little different as faculty stuff, but my content is the same as student content. And then I'm gonna to go to the top here. I wanna go into Westlaw Edge. There are other ways into Westlaw, but this is by far the easiest because there are many other um, bad paths. Sometimes students will just Google Westlaw and you'd be surprised how many logins to Westlaw there are that are not the law school one. So that can be frustrating sometimes. So that's why I show this. Uh, at first glance, this kind of looks like the blue and orange version of Lexis, right? I mean, there's one search box and there's different content, uh, different tabs here. And just like Lexis, there are millions and millions of documents here. If I start typing in keywords here, it's gonna be very difficult for me to find what I'm looking for, unless I have a particular citation. So if I wanna do Marbury v. Madison, <clears throat> there it is. Maybe I'll just show it as a demo of, of why it, or how it is different from there, from Lexis, pardon me. These are West Headnotes. Essentially, West and Lexis will pull out points of law and put them at the beginning to make your life a little easier. But this is not the court that has written these. And already, I mean, okay, there's the opinion. This time it does tell me the justice, Justice Marshall. So the content is exactly identical, um, but at the top here, there are different citations. Uh, Lex, uh, Lexis, I didn't check how many it had. West is saying they're citing reference of 30,000 plus documents they have available to have cited it. There's so many of them, because this really is a, a giant landmark uh, constitutional law case. So that's one way I already know what I'm searching for. I put in the name or the citation. Um, it's possible that that could be what I have. Uh, sometimes for another class, uh, you might just get the, the case and they might link it to a, a file there. But if you wanna see what it's on Lexis or Westlaw, I definitely recommend doing that. Uh, still read the case, please, but you will see like a summary, you'll see those points of law and it can be very helpful to you. Other times, and this will work on Lexis as well, if there's a dictionary, uh, if there's a database, and I know the name of that database, I can just start typing it. Uh, a great resource for starting students is Black's Law Dictionary. Uh, I don't have my copy around. Usually I would wave it around, but it is in my office right now. Uh, I remember when I was starting out of law school, is starting in law school, I couldn't get through like a paragraph or two without encountering some Latin term or some confusing term uh, that I just was not familiar with. So I would be looking things up a lot. They recreated this in digital format here. Uh, I know the internet exists, but this does some cool stuff. So we're going to try to, so appellant, uh, if you're like me, appellant versus appellee can be confusing. gives me a little pronunciation guide. Trust me, that this one is pretty basic, uh, but I never took Latin and I do have a history of just butchering Latin phrases. Uh, so I think that's helpful there. Party who appeals a lower court decision. Okay, uh, appellant versus appellant. Uh, there we go. It's also giving me the opposite there. So that's helpful. Sometimes they'll give me cross references here, but they're great with these concise little definitions for common legal terms. <clears throat> so that's what I recommend uh, there. And if I wanna save this, I can, let's see. 
have to go from here. Uh, Black's Law Dictionary. There we go. Add to favorites, which I am going to do uh, for real. So now when I log in, just give me another icon. There we go. Okay. Black's Law Dictionary, it's going to be there. Uh, I could do something similar on Lexis. I didn't show it, but it's just kind of a way to manage it. Uh, Lexus does it easier. There's just a little star that I have to hit and it goes right there. So same thing, millions of pages of documents need a way to control this federal and state. Not surprising. That's probably a pretty basic way to organize uh, practice area. And this is another point going back to that question. Uh, these are different categories, right? You'd think that logical minds would agree and say, okay, we're going to pick the same 50 categories. Uh, there are different ones here. So this one has data privacy instead of, I think it was computer and internet law. So they'll call it slightly different. Maybe there are some categories here that Lexis has. Some of them are probably gonna overlap. We're gonna go into data privacy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, I'm still gonna use the same strategy. I wanna check out uh, the secondary sources first. And I realize that each time I'm going through these menus, there's tons and tons of material uh, that I am skipping. So if you are watching this now or in the future and you have questions on what these things are, just please shoot me an email. I'm happy to go uh, much, much farther in depth. Small things I notice here, Westlaw, they put those journals and law reviews on the same list. Lexus had them listed out separately. The titles. They're all slightly different. So I don't have the title that I had on Lexis. I think it was called data privacy. Yeah, that's a different one. I do have data security here. Same thing, the I, I'm like, because if this was updated in like 1997, it's not helpful. There we go. It's telling me what it is. It gives me a little bit more information that's useful. Couple ways into it. Now, if you'll notice at the top there, it has changed. I'm not searching across all of Westlaw. I'm searching across this one book. That could be helpful. Westlaw likes to do indices, so I could search through the index that way. Do the same trick I did um, on Lexus, where I just kind of keep expanding these out. Um, privacy notification. Let me... We'll click this one. This looks useful. Again, some of the same tricks there. I have a, a little uh, overview here. I can jump into my table of contents. Uh, I also have a foldering system here. So yeah, I'm using this a bit more, uh, but I can put, <clears throat> put it in one of these. Just like in Lexis, I have a history. So if I've not quite sure how I got here. There we go. I can do the same. I could put little notes and highlighting, et cetera, there. But as we go through here, 
This might not have a whole lot of footnotes because there's the intro section. Let's try a better one. Not that, that was a bad one, it just didn't illustrate my point there. Okay. Well, we got some sections here. Probably shouldn't be using an intro. Again, nothing wrong with the sections. I just, just for demo purposes, uh, we need to have footnotes to show off the footnotes. There we go, they're the basics. Yeah. So in this case, there's our case, uh, Southern District of Ohio from 2001. There's our expl uh, explanation there. Okay, the elements of that are. And that may seem really simple, um, right? These are the parts of it. So I need to know these three things. Now the statute itself may be 50 pages long. These may be many sections. The statute may not be written clearly at all, um, but if someone can condense it into those three points in a paragraph, that is very, very helpful to me. Uh, and I'm not gonna go through everything here, but that, that alone is a very helpful paragraph. I know it, it seems like it's not, but there we, there we go. This is more conventional section where they're giving me an explanation, they're packing it full of footnotes, and there are, this one's like into United States code there. Okay, so let's say, boy, this, this does look perfect here. I wanna cite it, do it, copy with reference. There we go. So again, is this gonna be absolutely perfect blue booking? It might be, it really might be. Uh, I'd have to open up my blue book and go through each and every section here. <clears throat> um, you know, first glance, it, it looks pretty close. And again, it is making sure my originality uh, is what it should be there. So, okay, these are not my words, which seems, I realize how silly that sounds. Tom, you just copied and pasted it right there. Of course, it's not your words. Um, but when you do this, uh, when you're combing through tons of sources and it's three weeks later, it's really easy to forget what you've typed, what's coming, what's a direct quote, et cetera. So that's helpful. Uh, most of the info is here. And just like Lexis, it gave me the link. So if I need to go back into it and say, like maybe if it didn't include that year there, Okay, I'll click into it and find that information. So that is Westlaw in a very small nutshell. Uh, there are a hundred other things we could do with it, uh, but that's kind of one way to manage the amount of information that we have. Any questions on Westlaw from anyone? Okay, uh, the last one I'm gonna show is Bloomberg law. So if, if this were like soft, uh, what is it? Soft drinks, like one would be Pepsi, one would be Coca-Cola. And if we had to choose like an RC Cola, I'm sorry, but Bloomberg would be the, the third one. It is a very brutal marketplace uh, to go up against Westlaw and Lexus. Uh, they do some great things. So I'm at bloomberglaw.com and just go to register academic account and use your Albany law email address you'll get registered. Usually it should be pretty quick, um, but Bloomberg does do a couple neat things after I've just made fun of them. But 
the biggest thing that they can do, one of the biggest, is dockets. Uh, so what a docket is, this is the material before the final opinion of a case is authored. All the different uh, motions, all the filings, the complaint, the answer, the motion for summary judgment, and a hundred other things that may be possible uh, are there as a docket. Uh, I can't use Marbury versus Madison because it's 200 years old. Uh, it is federal though. Uh, so this will probably be <clears throat> most useful for federal cases in approximately the last 20 years. Um, some state cases as well. And this could be, okay, well, this is what the court decided, but uh, what did each side argue? So if I want to pull up the briefs um, from each side, I want to pull up the complaint, et cetera, that can be very, very uh, helpful to me. The other reason why I would want to use Bloomberg Law is it has some amazing secondary sources out there. So we saw those popping up in the catalog. And let me just try to... I'm going to go, I went into practice centers on the left here. Again, it's kind of the same way. There are other, they're doing tabs here. I guess I'll stick with privacy and data security. As you can, there's health. There's other ones as well here. And what this is, this is listing out, okay, here's all the stuff they have for privacy. They're trying to put it all in one place. Bloomberg Law News is, you know, it's a giant organization, just like Thomson Reuters and just like all the databases that Lexis uh, well, Lexus is owned by uh, Reed Elsevier. They're owned by a giant company as well. There's plenty of news, but the Bloomberg Law does have some unique news, practical guidance, et cetera. Again, we could easily click through all this stuff, but there's unique secondary sources on Bloomberg Law that you can't find on Westlaw or Lexus. It's very easy to miss. Westlaw and Lexus are definitely the two big ones, but there's one more option here for you as well in addition to all the free sources uh, that you may find outside. So that about wraps it up. It looks like oh, a few minutes early here, but I don't think I can start a new topic that I can squeeze in. Are there any questions or comments on anything so far? Okay, I'm stopping my screen share, nothing on the chat. That's fine. Uh, I know I tossed out a lot of information here. Uh, and if anyone does have a question again, oh, you're welcome. Uh, if anyone does have a question, just shoot me an email. It's not a problem. As I was going through all these screens, my mind went, oh, I could talk about this. I can talk about that. Uh, but we'd be here until uh, midnight, probably midnight your time if you're not Eastern, because there's just so much information out there. Uh, but comments, questions are always welcome. And if not, well, thank you all for coming. It's great to have an audience for these presentations. And if you're watching this in the future, thank you for watching this. Okay, well, have a good evening, all. We'll stop recording.